You're listening to the She Renovates podcast. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Hello, hello, everyone. Bernadette here once again. And yes, so we're recovering after a big week. Conference week was exhilarating and exhausting, but we're getting back on track. And so what I wanted to talk about now is 10 ways to avoid your renovation looking amateur. And what I mean by that is sort of cheap and nasty. And we need to always be very focused on the budget and you've sort of got to walk that balancing act. But sometimes you can go too far. And, of course, this depends on the type of renovation you're doing, whether you're doing an investment property, whether you're doing a buy, renovate and sell or any other renovation. So obviously you always need to tailor to your market. But I really feel that sometimes we just lose sight of the end goal and just a few small tweaks could make the world of difference. So I should have entitled this My Pet Hates because that's pretty much what it is and I'll be really interested in your feedback on that. Now, firstly, this week I actually sent an email and asked you to keep me accountable. So I'm doing okay on my jobs. But a few of you actually responded to my question and sent back what you're working on this week. And I ended up with this question from Liz. And I thought that it might be a good idea to answer it in this session. So Liz says, I'm tearing my hair out with finding the cheapest and cost-effective option to fix approximately 40 square metres of tiles. Some tiles are cracked and small areas underneath the tiles a bit moving when jumping on it. Already sought tilers to no avail, in fact, came close to being scammed by two. So vinyl flooring planks on top of the existing seem to be the best option, especially if there's been movement in the house previously. Then suddenly they are saying, It's not possible to quote without lifting the tiles to see how bad the moving floor is underneath. Some said it's possible without removing all the tiles, which we want to avoid as tenants wish to stay whilst works are going on. Don't know what to do, Bernadette. Do you have any expert suggestions? I would like to keep the house for at least the next three years, hoping the market will pick up. It's in Beaumont in Victoria. A shame to demolish, though, as I've already paid in 18,000 three years ago on a new ensuite. Tenants are nice enough people, but the worst homekeepers. They want to stay but can't meet the increased rent. But if they move, I'll be in for a fortune to clean up and paint the whole place. Okay, so firstly, if the floor underneath the tiles is not sound, I'm with the tilers. I really think you need to take it up. Because anything that you lay over that floor will not last if the floor is disintegrating underneath. I would be investigating why the floor is not sound because that may speak to a bigger problem. 
You can lay uh, floating floor over tiles. However, you do need to do some levelling. It's not an overly cheap exercise if you want a good finish. And I think when the floor is in that condition, I don't really think that's an option. And I can see why the tilers, I guess, not keen to do that or why the floor layers. Now, when you say it's be a shame to demolish, I'm not sure whether you're talking about the house or the flooring. So I'll just leave that one. So you're not wanting the tenants to leave because you'll be up for a fortune in clean up and paint. I don't know that you've got a choice. If your tenants can't pay a decent rent. So at the moment, it's a landlord's market in terms of rent, like rental properties are in short supply. And if you're you've got a good property that is nicely presented and is well-maintained, then I would say that you would have the potential to increase your rent significantly. So if the tenants have done damage to the property, obviously they will need to contribute something to the restoration of the house, but it's really something that you need to talk to your managing agent about. So I would suggest that you do an assessment, a full assessment of the situation, find out what your rental potential is. That house is going to be have to be painted at some point in time. So, you know, why not bite the bullet, put some work into really making the house over nicely and putting it and getting a really good return for the property. It will also help with your sale if you are planning to sell the property. So that's my $2 worth. Okay, so let's get into this. So I'm going to be talking about, well, yes, I've just said that I'm going to retitle this My Pet Hates in Renovations. Now, 600 by 300 white wall tiles. Now, I know that these are used a lot because they are about the cheapest tile that you can get. But I really think there is a blueprint for a renter's bathroom and it's 600 by 300 tiles, the cheapest, nastiest vanity that you can get with the acrylic top, just no flair at all. So what I would say is you can buy other tiles for a similar price. So if you're on a tight budget, with which we all are, if you shop around, you can find something different and just try and give the room a little bit of pizzazz. If you're in, determined to go for that typical 600 by 300, try and add some flair somewhere else. Maybe add $100 more to your vanity-based budget and put a nicer vanity in. Do something to give the room some flair other than that basic plain white wall tiles, cheap vanity and so on. The next one, this is in the same sort of theme, is the white gloss kitchen. Now, I know like particularly with Bunnings, it's the only kitchen that they will supply off the shelf that most other things you need to order. But once again, it screams renter's property and often it doesn't cost you any more to do something slightly different. If you must go for that white gloss kitchen, maybe mix up the overheads and do them, like maybe do them in a timber grain or something different to just not have that stamp of renter's property on it. So just 
try and think a little bit more outside the square. Gloss is easy to keep clean, but full gloss kitchens, they're a little bit year 2000. So yeah, just try and, and so one of the things you can look at is maybe a secondhand kitchen. Often you can find some people have more sense than, more money than sense, buy a house, don't like the kitchen, throw it out. So often you can find a really good secondhand quality kitchen that will be cheaper even than your white gloss kitchen. So try thinking outside the square in terms of what you do to do up your kitchen. Number three, direct stick mirrors. Okay. In the bathroom, just sticking a mirror. Oh, I should add every single one of these I have done at some point in my life. So every single one of these I have done at some point in time. And we have one of these in our house, which I absolutely hate. It like, at the very least, just lift it off, put some packers behind it and lift it off the wall, even if it's just 20 mil, and put a bit of LED lighting behind it or something to give it a bit more flair. If you must go for a mirror directly onto the wall, go for something in a frame, like around, like Kmart do them for $30. It's just a little bit more finish to make your Renault not look so cheap and nasty. Okay, non-standard bench heights. This is definitely one of my pet peeves. So having your benches, your bench heights, custom made to suit your height and then selling the house and there is a perfectly good kitchen but it doesn't work for 90% of the population. So I just think that this is a crazy thing to do and you may say that's because I am not tall, which I am not. But I just think it's madness. Unless you have a disability and you must have non-standard bench heights, a kitchen is an expensive thing and to limit its usefulness to a small sector of the population I think is a pretty indulgent thing to do. Number five, floating floorboards, floating floor with short boards. I think this is not the best outcome for a floating floor. It doesn't matter whether it's hybrid, whether it's laminate, whether it's engineered. Try and get longer boards because shorter boards make it look choppy and just not as nice a finish. While you're at it, wide boards as well if you can, but that's not so critical, but certainly longer lengths would be preferable for a better outcome. There is a thing called a cushion edge on a board just like tiles. I think that also tends to age the floor or date it. So going for more flush joints or rectified is a much more modern look. Okay, another one, Scotia on your floating floor. Now, sometimes you don't have a choice with this, but if you can avoid it, I think it, it's a good outcome so I like to install skirtings over the top of the floating floor so we don't need the scotia. It can be a bit problematic around an island bench, but the installers, if you push them, will scribe around the island bench so that you don't need that. So they basically fit it snugly or cut it snugly rather than having to have that great chunky scotia and really not a nice finish. Okay, so the next thing is if you're using roller blinds as your window dressing, 
try and add some curtains as well to soften them. I feel that roller blinds on their own look a bit stark and minimal. Minimal's usually not a bad thing, but I think with the, in the case of roller blinds, they look a little bit bare. So think about maybe adding some soft curtains to actually soften the window and finish it a bit nicely. All these suggestions that I'm making are very minor cost-wise and it's a bit of the case of the small hinges swinging big doors making a big difference to your project. The other thing is if you're putting in faux timber Venetian blinds or timber Venetian blinds and you're buying them off the shelf, make sure that you adjust them to fit the window Often you'll see a whole lot of blind pulling up on the bottom of the window because it hasn't been customised to fit the window. It's relatively simple to do and makes a big difference. Okay, my other thing is exposed curtain tracks. And I don't think going for a contrast colour in your curtain track is really a great idea when it's exposed. I think that's not a great look. And it's so easy to not have that. So, of course, our go-to is to hang the track from the ceiling and make it blend in with the colour of the ceiling so it looks like the curtains are hanging from the ceiling. But if you can't do that, a simple pelmet just made out of MDF is another good way and it's just a much more finished look. Number nine, okay, acrylic shower bases. I've never used these because I don't like them. I think that they have a sort of an amateurish look about them. It's like your tiler doesn't have the skill to tile the rest of the bathroom or tile the shower recess. I don't know why people use them. And I'm sure you will enlighten me on the reasons, but I just definitely don't think they're a great look in your reno. And number 10 is fake green walls. Now, this is a project we did probably five years ago, and you can see we've got a fake green wall. I think we got away with it then. I don't think now that they're such a great idea. I think there's a lot more creative ways you can screen a wall because they do get dusty and fade. And yeah, I think the days of the fake green wall have gone. So they're my 10 tips to, I guess the word is make your reno look more professional. I'm particularly talking about low-end price points today. But, yeah, and that's me for today. So hope you're having a great week. I feel like I'm talking to myself today, but I know there's someone out there. So take care and see you next week. This is the She Renovates podcast. To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out theschoolofrenovating.com.